So if you would stand, Senior Pastor. Thank you, Brother Bickley. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we do that for a moment and praise him again. What a wonderful presence of the Lord in this place today. Hallelujah. We honor you and exalt you today, Jesus. We lift you up because you're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's great to be with you this morning. Give honor to Brother Joel and Sister Kate today and the great job that they do and all that they do. Praise God. Amen. If you would turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, or if you would scroll to Galatians 2, 20. Or if you just would look up at the screen to Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The Amplified says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its purpose and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ the Messiah died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. superfluous. And lastly, Weiss translation says it this way, With Christ I have been crucified. And it is no longer I who live, but there lives in me Christ. And that life which, I, which now I live in the sphere of the flesh, by faith I live it, which faith is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself on my behalf. I do not thwart the efficacy of the grace of God, for if through, the, for if through law comes righteousness, then Christ died to no purpose. I'm going to preach to you this morning a little bit on this subject, a lesson from my nephew and flappy birds. I will interpret that for some of you in a few moments. Father, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together to lift up and exalt you. Thank you for what you've already done in this service today for lives you've already touched, healing that has already taken place. God, I pray now that through your word you would speak, that you would minister in this service today, that somebody would receive from you what it is they need, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I trust you this morning. I depend on you, God, for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. From what I understand, this grandparenting thing is supposed to be pretty neat. I've yet to ever hear a grandparent complain about being a grandparent. Probably someone has, does, whatever, but I, I've never heard it. And I think from my observation of my parents as grandparents and others as grandparents, I think one of the great joys of of grandparenting is you have all the fun 
and don't have the responsibility of the work. There's a there's a there's a a, a picture. It's for for the young folks. It's a meme for you old folks. It's a photo with text on it. There's a meme that I've seen a couple of times on Facebook now, and it's this little kid, and he's sitting at a table, and and he's got one of those. You ever seen those big Hershey bars? I mean, literally. And and it and it says something to the extent of a snack at grandmom's before going home. <laughs> How true it is. So I, I, I am not in a hurry to become a grandparent by any stretch for a lot of different reasons. Number one is I, I just that that means you're older. I did add the ER, but um I think the next best thing, I think a little, actually I think a foretaste of grandparenting, I think a foretaste of being a grandfather is being an uncle. And uh, I, I enjoy being an uncle. And, and uh, I am, uh, for some reason, I don't know what I've done, I, I, but I love it. And I have somehow become a, uh, um, a, a common topic in the uh, conversation of my nephew named Noah. And uh, I, was, I was at my parents on Friday, and I was meeting with my mom discussing something, and Noah was there, and, and uh, my phone was sitting beside me, and not too long he had noticed it and picked it up and had it. And uh, it is amazing what a two-year-old can do with a piece of technology. Before I know it, he's into the photos and he's looking through and scrolling through and seeing people he recognizes and all kinds of other stuff. And, and a few minutes later, he found Flappy Birds. Now, Flappy Birds, for all of you non-game phone gaming, and you you just are you are you are so mature enough, you only ever use your phone for communication. I am I am still working to put away childish things. And so I am not there yet, and really I'm not trying to get there in all honesty at this present time. And it's been a while back that I was introduced to Flappy Birds, I believe by my daughters, and it is probably the most annoying, frustrating game I have ever played on my phone. If you don't know what Flappy Birds is, there is there's these, there's these uh, pipes and you have a bird and and the bird flies, and you have to tap the screen and make the bird move up and down. And, and the idea is you've got to make it through these little pipes. You've got to judge the jump just right, and, and, and you can't hit it too quick or too slow, and, and the height of the openings adjust. And so uh, that's what Noah found on my phone. And When you first start the game, you tap. I was really tempted to use airplay this morning and play it for a moment but i i figured my title might be borderline enough for some of you so i won't play games while i'm preaching <laughs> but he uh he uh yes i'm not going to bust out in any costumes i realize there is there is quite a space here for freedom and liberty and expression of self so but that's my brother, and this is me. That's about as far as I go. So I'll leave the costumes and stuff up to him. And <laughs> we did come from the same mother, believe it or not. It's <laughs> so he, 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 when the game starts, the bird's just hanging there in midair, and you tap the screen, and, and the screen starts moving, and you got to start. And, 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 and he had no idea what he was doing, and he tapped that screen, and in just a moment, that bird was flat on the ground. And he tried for a little while, and, and, and the first thing he did was he came over, and he kind of nudged his way up to me, and he handed the phone to me, and he said, you play. So I did it for a moment, and then I gave it back, and he did it for a little while. But then he came back the next time, and he handed me the phone, and then he said this. He said, you hold my finger. And immediately, the preacher inside of me went ding, 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 ding. You hold my finger. 
I can't figure out how to do this. I can't figure this game out, and it's not working. But you know how to do it. So you hold my finger, and you tap the screen at the right time and the right place, and you know what you're doing, and so I'm going to let you hold my finger, and then when it's all said and done, I'll probably take a little bit of credit for how the game went. But I acknowledge that I don't know how to do it, and so if I can just let you do it. See, the problem we have is we spend all of our lives learning how to become independent. We learn how to do things on our own. It starts with learning how to walk and reaching that point where a child is now able to let go and branch out on their own and without falling they can take more than just a few steps and 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 we teach them how to eat, we teach them how to tie a shoe and we teach them all of these things trying to develop them to become independent and live on their own. I, if you're a guest today and don't know me, I am, I, I got four, I got four kids. The oldest is 17, youngest is 11. And, and, uh, I, I gotta tell, I know I'm not like some, I am not, I am not anxiously awaiting the day when I can get them out of the house. I'm just not. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them to stick around. I have a feeling if time went on long enough, I probably would change my feelings and my opinion about that. But I am not, anticipating the day when each of them turns 18 so I can give them the boot and put them out of my house. I'm, I'm not in a hurry for them to go anywhere. I've heard parents, I can't wait, boy, a couple more years, and they're old enough, they're on their own. I'm glad you weren't my mom and my dad and whatever. We all have our own opinions and philosophies on life and parenting, and I'm not saying mine is the absolute correct way, but it is the way I have chosen at this point. And so even at that, I still understand. I, I got to help my kids. I picked on Nathaniel last week. I'll pick on Esther today. Esther has her learner's permit, and the other day needed to run a couple of errands, and so we we I, we took her vehicle, and she drove, and and uh, she's driven before, but this was the first time in the day. This was the first time to get on Route 50 and all of that fun stuff. And overall, she did she did really well. She did she did fine. But the the one thing it was funny, and I was watching, and so it wasn't a problem. But she was getting on to uh, uh, Forest Drive. We were heading to Home Depot, and and she, we were we we were we were making that turn, and and there is a yield sign there. I think we're still learning what yield means. That it's somewhere in between go and stop. Fortunately, I was watching and there was no cars coming because we just kind of moved on out into that lane and, and, and it was, but, but I was watching. I, I, I am, uh, I am, I am helping her to get to the day where we will comfortably say, you can go by yourself. Nobody needs to be in the car co-piloting. You've got it. We're, we're comfortable. That's the goal. And, and, and you get a job and you get trained and, and, and you get taught how to do the job so that you can reach the point where you can do it on your own. And so everything really, everything in life is developing and training us to become independent. To do it on our own. The only problem is the most important thing in life. You can't do it independently. You can't do it on your own and you can't prove how well you can do it by yourself. 
And so we have to overcome the natural mentality of learning how to do it ourselves and proving to everybody we can do it ourselves to now acknowledging without you, I can do nothing. And I need you. I need you to be in me. And I need you to be alive in me. And I need you to be working through me. And ultimately what I need is I need you to hold my finger because I can't do this by myself. I can't do this on my own and every time I try to do it and show you how well I do it the bird falls flat to the bottom of the screen and it's all over with so somehow I need for me to die and I need for you to become alive in me I've come to tell somebody today your goal is not to prove to Jesus how well you can do it on your own and your goal is not to convince him I've got this watch me do it Your goal is to get out of the way and somehow let him become alive in you and let him live through you to be able to say, as Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ is living through me. Christ is living through me. There's something within us, especially, I think, within the male that likes to show dad I can do this. Watch me dad, watch and I remember some memories of 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 my years as a child. It seemed like every time as long as I didn't tell my dad to watch, I usually did all right. It was like the second I I I stopped and tried to get him to watch that it was as if I was destined to fail I I was ready to prove I could do it and so I made sure he was watching and sure enough I I shot and missed I swung and missed or I swung and hit the golf ball straight to the side or whatever and and then he stops looking and guess what It's, it's all perfect again and I think most of us try to reach a point where we prove to our heavenly father watch Watch me do this because I want to try to make you proud. And yet what God looks for from you and I, and if you're sitting here today and maybe, maybe you're, you're not a, maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to God. And, and maybe one reason is you just think, you know what? I, I don't think I can do that. I got great news for you today. You can't. You can't. You can't. The scripture says if you've offended in one point of the law, you're guilty of all the law. You know what? That's really good news. Because once I've messed up, I've messed up. I've messed up. But the point is not to reach the point I've messed up and give up and quit. But to reach the point where I give up on me. And realize I cannot accomplish this. I can't do this. And so I need you to become alive in me. I I believe there's some people in this sanctuary today that you are becoming so weary and frustrated and discouraged because you're trying your best to do it. You're trying your best to do right, live right, please God. And yet that's that's not the solution. The solution is I got to die and give up and I've got to let you live in me because you know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And the best I can do, the, the best effort I can put forth is going to produce failure at some point or the other. I may have some times where I succeed, but I'm also going to fail. So rather than me continuing to try to show you what I can do let me die so that you can live oh I know who wants to die dear Lord we don't want to die Paul said for me to live is die and the Christ is gain yes Woo, hallelujah but give me a few more years here on earth it's not talking about dying for it to be over with because the bottom line is you can't live until you've died You can't really live until you've died. Because any life without Him is really not life at all. And any life without Him, there's only only a limited amount of success that it can produce. The only way to have true life, to have life more abundantly, is somehow for me to allow Him to live in me. But we we don't want to give up control. 
We don't want to give up control. We want to maintain the right and the ability to ruin our lives by ourselves. I'm not giving up. I'm, I got this. I'm in control of this. And this is going wrong and that's going wrong. And this problem you can't solve and this issue you've got no answer for. But I'm in control. I'm, I don't want to give up control. I mean, what would happen if I gave up control? Well, that problem would probably get worked out, and God would probably take care of this, and He'd probably give you direction here and let you know what to do there. But, you know, I, you nobody, we don't want that. I want to know that I'm in control. I shouldn't even attempt to tell the story since it's not my story, and perhaps He's used it at some point here. But my brother tells the story. He was going to pick up Brother Dylan from the airport years, several years ago when he was here to dedicate one of their children. I forget which one. And he was driving my parents, one of my parents' cars, and, and the accelerator got stuck. And he was literally sitting at the light, pushing down as absolutely hard as he could to keep the car, and the engine's revving, and people are looking at him, and what happened, he finally figured out after he picked Brother Dylan up and it did the same thing, was that the, the uh, rug, the, the, the car mat, was jamming the accelerator. That's what a lot of us are like. We're the jammed accelerator. And God's trying to hold us back. And we're still trying to go because we just want to go. We want to go. And God's trying to hold us back because he knows if we go, what we're going for is not going to work out the way we want. And it's not going to take care of itself the way we'd like to. And so he, he, he's holding back. But every now and then, you know what he decides? Okay. That's what Paul was saying. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I, I do not limit its effectiveness and its efficiency and its power and ability in my life. Reminds me of that story of the guy that saw the ad in the paper for a job for cutting trees down. What do you got to call a guy that cuts trees down and stuff? What's that? Lumberjack. He went in and guys gives him the job and hands him the chainsaw and, and he goes out and spends some time trying to cut some trees down and the, the boss is not too happy at the production or the lack of production but he decides he's new he'll give him a couple days and so after a couple days of just one or two trees coming down he he uh, calls the guy in and basically going to let him know he's got to let him go. And and so the guy starts kind of, you know, I, I'm doing the best I can with this this tool, this saw you gave me. And, and, and I, I'm just, I'm doing, I can't do any better. And so the... Uh, Ball says, "Well, let me, let me, let me, let me see. Maybe, maybe, maybe we gave you faulty equipment." And so he hands the, the boss the chainsaw, and the boss reaches down and yanks that pull cord, and that chainsaw fires up that loud noise. And that guy jumps back and says, "What's that noise?" He had the tools. But he wasn't using the power. We sit here today with some amazing tools. But most of us have never turned it on, never really turned it on. And we don't understand that what we have access to and what has been given us has the ability for whatever the issue or the problem is. But we've got to let it work. We can't frustrate the grace of God. We can't frustrate the power and the ability of God. And I know some of you, you are, no, that's not me. I'm surrendered. I'm yielded. Why are you so miserable and frustrated? Because he's not living. He's not the one living. You're still trying to live. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse number 8. For this thing I besought the Lord. This thing Paul's talking about was a 
was he referred to it as a thorn in his flesh. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, therefore, what I was begging for God to take away from me, now I take pleasure in it. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Because when I am weak, then am I strong. Because when I am weak, that's when He is able to be strong in me and through me. And the first part of the next verse says, I have become a fool in glorying. Rather than running from and resisting my infirmities and my weaknesses and the difficulties, I've now embraced them because it is through those things that God is now able to be strong in my life. How much time do we spend asking God to take away the very thing He's allowed or put in our lives because it's the thing we need for us to come to the point, I am weak, I cannot do this, I cannot accomplish this. And He's chosen to allow those things in our lives not to bring us to a point to give up and quit, but to bring us to a point to realize that it is in my weaknesses that you are made strong. It is in my infirmities and in my reproaches and my necessities in my persecutions, in my distresses, that you are able to be manifested and people can look at me and say, I don't know how you're still doing what you're doing. I I don't know how you still believe. I don't know how you still trust God. How can you go through this? How can you face that and still believe in God? Because in my weaknesses, in the adversity that I've been through, I've come to understand that He is my strength and He is manifested in those moments. Some of those very things that we are running from and we are opposing in our lives are the very blessings that God has chosen to bring our way so that in those things he is able to prove to us how strong he is and not just how strong he is but how strong he can be through us. Amplified says it this way. But he said unto me, my grace, my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. It's sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. For my strength and my power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed, and show themselves most effective in your weakness. We want to spend all of our time on our strengths. We want to contribute in the areas in which we are strong. Some of you have never really gotten connected in ministry because you're always trying to connect in the areas that are your strengths. God's looking for you to connect in some areas where you're weak because if all you ever do is what you're strong, then all you ever do is take the credit. But when you get connected in an area and when God uses you in an area and you realize, I do not have the ability, I do not have the talent, I do not have the skill to do this. When something good comes of it, you have to step back and say, to God be the glory. My strength and my power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and infirmities that the strength and power of Christ, the Messiah, may rest. Yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. When Paul said in the King James the end of verse 9, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That word rest upon me there means to tabernacle. It means to set up a dwelling place. When I acknowledge that I am weak but He is strong, He sets up a dwelling place over me. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecution, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then am I truly strong, able, powerful, in divine strength. 
Message Bible. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes in unto its own in your weaknesses. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Oh, man, that's, whoo, that's a tough one to, to swallow. He says, I, I stopped focusing on what I saw to be as the problem or the negative or the issue. And now I chose to look at it as a gift from God because it helps to bring me to the point where I acknowledge I need him. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weaknesses, on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. I just let Christ take over. You know that old bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot? Ooh. Well, I'm not that. I'm, I'm God's co-pilot. <laughs> what you need to do is get on board the aircraft. Let the pilot get in to the cockpit. Lock the door. You go get in the very back of the plane. Sit down. Buckle your seatbelt. And just hang on for the ride. You see, the problem is this. God is willing to let go of the controls and let you have them. <laughs> you can get to the point. He said, all right, you think you got it. and You think you know how to do it. So be it. Take it. Next thing you know, we go from this to this. We're still trying to work the controls. I, I got it. I know I got it. And right before we're about to hit land. Jesus, help. Isn't it amazing how there's a pattern of you take your hands off and he turns it around. You put your hands on and it falls apart. I, am I the only one that's ever noticed that? I take control, it turns wrong. I let go, he works it out. You're saying I'm supposed to do nothing, Brother Right? You say I'm just supposed to lay back and no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying you're supposed to let him take control. I'm saying you're supposed to let him, you, you're just kind of supposed to be like the, the remote control car. Well, I ain't doing that. I let, why? Why? Because he said, I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Our problem with giving up control is we don't trust his motives. Our problem with giving up control is we don't trust his character. We don't trust his nature. And we're afraid to give up control of what because of what he might do or what he might allow to happen. But I'm come to tell you today from Genesis to Revelation, I find all kind of evidence that says when I give up control and let him take over, I don't have to worry about the outcome. I don't have to worry about how things are going to happen. I've got some promises. One of them says, he which hath begun a good work is going to complete it. And so if God started something. I don't have to be afraid about him leaving it undone or unfinished. If I'll just let him stay in control, if I'll let him be in charge, he's going to finish what he started. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. That word author is spelled like the author of a book, but that's not what the Greek word means. The Greek word is the originator, the starter. And so Hebrew says he is the starter. He's the starter, but he's also the finisher. 
And so you and I sit here today at whatever place we are in our journey, in our walk with God, because at some point God started something. But if God started something, you've got to guarantee that he will finish it as well. So I just told you what the Greek word author means, but if you would give me the, if you would allow me for a moment to use it in the context of the word, we often think of an author, and that is the writer of a book, the writer of a story. If you are writing a fictitious book, then you have the right, you have the, you have the, you have the freedom to tell the story the way you want to tell it. See, what you don't understand is this chapter, this chapter can end with everything looking like it's over. Well, yeah, I've already used Flappy Bird, so let me just get even a little more carnal here this morning. You're, you're one commercial break away. You're just one commercial break away from things turning around. I've watched some shows where right before the commercial break, main character was on his deathbed. It was done. It was over with. He had nearly been blown apart. But 120 seconds later, apparently, when we went to commercial break, something was still going on. Because by the time we get back, it's everybody else on their deathbed, and he's standing there fully armed with the whole world bowing at his feet. The director has the right and the, and, and the, the, the right to do that if he wants to do that. As unbelievable as it may be, can I tell you about a director that's unlike any other director? Because this director framed the world with his word. This director frames your world with his word. And all it takes is just a word from him. And in just a matter of moments, he can turn your world around. But you gotta give up control. Control and let him have control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some of you got some impossible situations you're looking at. But can I tell you, we have a God who has no impossible situations. That he has the ability to do whatever needs to be done when he decides to do it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know he rarely does it when, he, when we want him to. You know why one reason he waits and doesn't do when we want doesn't do it when we want him to do it because chances are at the moment we're wanting him to do it it would simply be him helping us. And so when it all worked out and was taken care of there would be some questions about who did it. So he lets it reach the point. That is no doubt. I, I we read I think we selectively read the Bible. I think we selectively read it. We read the parts that we like. We read the parts that are good. We read the parts that are exciting. We don't we, we, we miss some of the, the important principles. One of those principles is the place you are going to encounter God the greatest is in the most difficult circumstances. Psalmist said he is a very present help in trouble. See, the struggle we have is we too often we we determine that bad situations, trouble, difficulties is the indicator God has abandoned us, forsaken us, punishing us. And yet the psalmist said it is in trouble where he is a present help. So we often try to avoid the situations where God has orchestrated them to prove to us how much of a help he is. 
Those three Hebrew children stood at the edge of that fiery furnace. They stood there before the king who was threatening them. I'm going to give you one more chance to bow. If you don't bow, you're going to get thrown into the furnace. And they stood there before the king and they said, we, we won't bow. They said, our God can deliver us. Our God can deliver us. The problem is when we stop there. Because we stop there, our God can deliver us and He will deliver us in the way I want Him to deliver me. But the next statement they they made was, our God can deliver us, but even if He doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow. There is no indication of Scripture. There's nothing said in Scripture about God being with them at that moment. I know He was there. There's nothing said about it. At that moment, it appears as though they're standing on their own. It wasn't until thrown in the fire. It wasn't until they got in the midst of the, of the tragedy that the king looks and says, I, I thought we threw three in. But I see four. And there's something unique about that fourth. Could it be that God's been waiting on you in the midst of circumstances that you have been running from and avoiding? That God's sitting there in the midst of your fiery furnace waiting for you to arrive and you're doing everything you can to stay out of it. And God's waiting on it because that's where He's going to meet you and that's where He's going to manifest Himself. And you know what? God did deliver, but again, He chose to do it in a way different than the three Hebrew children perhaps were expecting. No doubt when they said our God can deliver us, they were, they were imagining fiery chariots swooping down from heaven, causing fear and trembling in everybody around them, and that God was going to keep them out of the fire. But i got to tell you, it's really a lot greater testimony for God to bring you through the fire than it is to keep you out. Hello? It's really a greater testimony for Him to take you through the fire. You come out of the fire and don't even smell like smoke. That's a pretty amazing testimony. He's a very present help. Last translation and I'm closing. Again, Weast, and they don't have this on the computer to my knowledge, and it's kind of wordy, but it's got some good stuff, so if you'll bear with me. And he has said to me, and his declaration still stands, my grace is enough for you. For power, listen to this, Power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weakness. I know that was, that's a lot of words. I wish you could see them, process them. But listen again. Power is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of of weakness, moment by moment. See, we, we want everything in advance. We want everything lined up in advance. We want it all so we, we don't have we don't want to have to believe and worry. We want we don't want our faith to have to be challenged. So 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 God provide all the resources in advance and, and then we'll take a step of faith. But moment by moment. That widow woman who was about to make the last cake for her son for them to eat it and starve to death, the prophet shows up and says, make me a cake first. She did that from that day until the remainder of the famine. Every day there was just enough. Just enough. Every day when she got the meal from the barrel and the oil from the cruise, there wasn't any more. There wasn't enough to bake a couple of extra bread, a couple of extra cakes for the next few days. But every day there was enough. What you don't realize sometimes, it seems to be, we don't even know, we're not even aware it's going on. But moment by moment, power, grace, strength is coming. Therefore, most gladly will I the rather boast in my weaknesses 
Wow, there's a novel idea. Boast in my weaknesses. I mean, can you imagine going to sit down at an interview for a job and, you know, I really stink at this and I can't do that and my abilities in this are really bad and I, I'm no good at this, but, you know, would you hire me? No, we go, we, you got to sell yourself. And then our problem is we come to God and, well, God, I'm really good at this and I really can do that. And, and he's like, eh, not qualified for this job. Because he's looking for the person that walks in and says, I really don't have a whole lot to offer you. I'm just here. I really don't have much to give. My abilities are really lacking. My talents and skills, there's not much to them. But what I can do is be available. What I am willing to do is to die and allow you to live. And he says, you're the one. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my weaknesses in order that the power of the Christ, like the Shekinah glory of the Holy of Holies of the Tent of Meeting, may take up its residence in me, working within me and giving me help. Wherefore, I am well content in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecution in circumstances under which I am subject to extreme pressure on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am filled with ability and power. Sister Trish, come, please. I wonder if there's anybody today that's reached a point that you're willing to say, Jesus, take my finger. I can't do this. I've tried really hard and I've failed and I've failed and I've failed. And part of the reason I've tried so hard is because I want to make you proud of me. I want you to be proud of me as a son or a daughter and what I've done and what I've accomplished. But I'm realizing I just can't do it. And so help me to die so that you are free to live. Free to live in me and free to live through me. So that all the things I have run from and avoided because they communicate failure, they communicate my weakness, I'm going to now begin to see those things in a different light. And rather than them being a negative, they become a positive because it's in those things that you are most able to demonstrate who you are and what you are. It's in my weaknesses where you're able to most prove that you really are my Heavenly Father that loves me and is looking out for me. It's in, it's in the areas that I've tried and I've failed and I know now that I absolutely can't do it, that if I could allow you to become strong in me, that your grace is sufficient for me. Wonder if you would, if you would close your eyes for a moment, bow your heads where you're sitting. I wonder if somebody today is willing to give up the struggle, the pressure, the burden, the weight of trying to trying to do it on your own, trying to prove how well you can do it, trying to prove that you've got the ability, trying to prove that you are strong. When what he's really looking for you to do is just simply acknowledge and be willing to confess, I am weak. That I'm going to quit trying to be strong. I'm going to quit trying to prove it. I'm just going to accept that I'm weak. But it's in my weaknesses that you become strong. There's some people in this place today that God is desiring to live through you. Oh, I know we, He lives in us. We get His Spirit. We're filled with His Spirit, but not just to dwell in us, but to live through us. I open this altar and invite you to get out of your seat this morning and wait, make your way down to the front, partly as a sign of, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I acknowledge today I've been trying really hard. I've been trying to be strong. 
I've been trying to demonstrate my abilities. I've been trying to demonstrate what I know how to do, but it just isn't working. So I'm asking you to help me to die today so that you might be able to live. Help me to be crucified with you so that you are then able to live through me. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit today, Lord, help us, help us to truly surrender and yield. God, the struggle, the battle we've been living in, the pressure we've been living under trying to prove what we can do, show you what we can do when all along what you're really looking for us to do is confess and acknowledge that we actually can't do it. We need you to do it through us. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, the power of your spirit today, Lord. The power of your spirit today, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For those of you that may not need to respond for yourself today, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? Allow the Lord to use you to minister to somebody today. You don't need to pray for yourself this morning. Would you pray? please allow the Lord to use you to minister to someone else in this service? Jesus' name. Come on, some of you are about to give up and quit. But when you're gonna but your idea of giving up and quitting is just completely throwing in the towel. You need to give up and quit. Well, what you need to give up and quit on is you. And when you give up and quit on you, then allow him to start truly living through you. Allow his life to be manifested through you. Allow that moment-by-moment power to be manifested. No, you're not going to leave here today with everything in your world fixed. You're not going to walk out of here today and everything be absolutely perfect in your world. But what you can walk out of here today with the assurance of is that step-by-step, moment-by-moment, there is grace, there is strength, there is power, there is God's ability that is empowering me. Somebody let God take your finger today and have control. Somebody let God take over today and let Him do it through you. God, be strong in our weaknesses. Those areas that we have run from, those areas we've spent so much time trying to fix on our own that are actually the areas that you've allowed in our lives so you can be manifested as being strong so that you can manifest your grace, your ability, your power. Help us to see them, God, rather than curses, realize that they are blessings. Rather than curses that we think are trying to destroy us, see them as opportunities for your grace and your power to be manifested in us and through us. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. You're not glorified through my strengths. You're not glorified by what I do through my abilities. But you're glorified by what I allow you to do in me and through me that others can see and recognize that it's not me, but it's you working in me and working through me. Help somebody to give up on themselves today, but not give up on you. Help somebody give up today on their ability, but not give up on your ability. Surrender our will to you today, God, so that you can live through us that we might be able to experience the life more abundantly that you desire to bring. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would become strong in somebody's weaknesses today. I pray that you would become strong in somebody's weaknesses today, God. I pray that your power would be manifested through somebody's weaknesses today. That your grace would be demonstrated to be enough in our lives. That your grace would be proven to be sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. 
your grace is sufficient. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Your grace. Moment by moment, step by step, your grace is sufficient. It's not going to run out. You may not pour it all out that I can see an abundance and a reserve of it, but I can trust that moment by moment, your grace is going to be sufficient. Day by day, your grace is going to be enough. It's never going to run out. It's never going to run out. There's always going to be enough grace. There's always going to be fresh grace for what I need. You're going to live in and through me, God, in Jesus' name. Help us to truly surrender today. I pray, God, for the grace to surrender today. Give us the grace to surrender those things we've been running from, those things we've been avoiding, those things we've been fighting. Give us the grace to surrender to you today to allow you to truly take control and live through us. Let us be crucified with you that you might live through us. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Here I am, here I am, here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. in your life today that voice that's been accusing you because of your weaknesses that voice that's been accusing you because of your lack of ability turn it around on the enemy today turn it around on the enemy today you know what devil you're right I can't do it you're right I have failed you're right I don't have the strength the strength and ability to do it but God is strong in my areas of weaknesses God has the ability in the areas that I can't do it. So what you've tried to cause me to be condemned over, what you've tried to cause me to be ashamed over, I'm going to turn it around on you and I'm going to glory in my weakness because that's where God is most manifested through me. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let it move. Welcome to do so. Here I am. 